0: This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry.
1: This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about privacy and security issues related to accountable care organizations with security consultant Rebecca Harold. Thanks so much for joining us today, Rebecca.
0: Well, I'm happy to be here, Howard. Thanks for asking me.
1: Federal authorities recently issued a final rule governing accountable care organizations. For starters, could you briefly define ACOs for us and explain what the government hopes to achieve by creating them?
0: Basically, an ACO is a network of doctors and hospitals that share responsibility for providing care to patients. Now, in the new law, an ACO would agree to manage all of the health care needs of a minimum of 5,000 Medicare beneficiaries for at least three years. The ACO then will bring together all the different component parts of care for the patient, primary care and specialist hospitals, home health care and so on, and um, it will ensure that the parts are working well together. Now, historically, and actually in most places today, patients get each part of their health care separately. You know, one doctor does ear, nose, throat, another dental, another heart health, and so on, and often these doctors don't even know the patient is seeing any of the others, much less know that they're communicating with each other to ensure that there is comprehensive and knowledgeable health care for each particular patient. So the ACOs try to ensure all health care for an individual is done by taking into consideration all aspects of that person's health care. And the challenge is putting ACOs into practical application and then demonstrating that overall health care then really is improved and that it results in lower cost and has better efficiencies and so on.
1: Are the organizations that participate in an ACO likely to share electronic information about patients to help coordinate their care? And will they be forming the equivalent of what amounts to a uh, health information exchange? And what new privacy and security issues does that raise?
0: Well, sharing information amongst all caregivers for a patient truly is at the heart of making ACOs work. Now, doing so via electronic transmissions and sharing really is the most feasible way to do this as opposed to um, making hard copies and trying to share them, which, of course, would have their own risk and be very hard to keep up to date and so on. So basically, the ACOs will most likely be using health information exchanges in order to facilitate this electronic sharing. And I'm not sure you would say they are using their own HIE. Uh, One goal of HIEs is to provide better information sharing specifically for such purposes that are being created by an ACO. However, ACOs would need to have tightly controlled communications paths within HIEs, to help ensure that only those caregivers who need patient information can access it. So initially, at least, ACOs agree to manage and coordinate health care for the Medicare beneficiaries, including taking on additional financial responsibility that, of course, is going to come along from setting up the technical aspects of this kind of data sharing network and also for making sure that the care is delivered effectively, efficiently, and securely. Now, the new security and privacy issues will really be new applications of long-existing information security and privacy concepts. You'll have to deal with limiting access, establishing access controls, logging the access to the PHI and also the claims information, ensuring data accuracy and integrity, that is a, a very important part of sharing this data amongst all the caregivers, ensuring data availability at all times necessary, providing patients with opportunities to opt out of data sharing and also giving them access to their own data and so on. So a lot of these involve very basic information security and privacy controls that have been around for a long time. They're just being utilized now in a, in a new type of emerging environment.
1: As you just alluded to, the final ACO rule allows patients to opt out of having certain information shared with ACOs. So what steps will ACOs and their members need to take to prepare to comply with that provision? And what kind of information does the opt-out provision cover?
0: Medicare recipients can opt out of sharing their claims data with ACOs, which, again, were created as part of the Medicare Shared Savings Program. The new rule also places really express and specific limits on how the claims data can be used. Even though the opt-out provision is rather brief within that rule, the implications for the changes that will be necessary are certainly significant. It's important to look at not just the actual opt-out activity, but also the activities that need to occur prior to that to ensure that patients have been properly informed of what it means to have their information used within an ACO. So related to this, the ACO rule requires that ACO participants have to do several different things. Number one, they have to notify beneficiaries at the time they receive care that their ACO providers and suppliers are participating in the shared savings program. Now, this notification will likely be a new type of notice for the providers to create Number two, they need to post signs in their facilities to notify the beneficiaries that their ACO providers and suppliers are participating in the Shared Savings Program. And another new type of item to, uh, for providers to spend the time and resources to create are these signs and posters. And then they'll have to post them and maintain them. And along with this comes the accompanying training to those who may get questions in the facilities about the posters and what they mean from the patients who are reading them. And then number three, they need to make available standardized written notices as well regarding the participation in an ACO and also that describes the data opt-out options that the patients have. Now these written notices need to be provided by the ACO participants in the primary healthcare facilities that the care is being given in. So these are additional notices to provide along with the HIPAA Notice of Privacy Practices. I anticipate that some providers will consider combining these together Now, whether or not this is a good idea will depend upon the type of provider and the type of care that they're giving. Now, there's also some options that have been provided by the final ACO rule. Uh, ACOs have the option of notifying the patients on the list that are provided to the ACO following the standardized written notice that the CMS has developed. And it's also important to be aware that these notifications that are made in this manner, interestingly enough, are under the definition of marketing materials and activities within HIPAA. So these organizations need to make sure that these notifications do meet all applicable marketing requirements under HIPAA. Now certainly related to this, procedures will need to be updated Providers who are part of an ACO are required to alert their patients who can then choose to go to another doctor if they are uncomfortable in participating in an ACO. Now, the patient can decline to have his or her data shared within the ACO. And even though physicians probably want to have their patients go to hospitals and specialists within the ACO network Patients are still free to see the doctors of their own choice outside the network, and they cannot be charged more for doing this. So existing opt-out policies and procedures are going to need to be reviewed, and then they're going to have to be updated to allow for these choices that are required as part of being in an ACO.
1: So the final ACO rule provisions regarding opting out does not explicitly address a patient's ability to opt out of having their electronic records shared among ACO members, right? That would be handled separately under some sort of health information exchange agreement, perhaps?
0: Well, it might be part of health information exchange, but really when you look at the final rule, it only provides uh, that the patients be given the opportunity to opt out, and it, there's very little supporting information that talks about the details for how it has to occur and, you know, at one point in time. Um, I think the primary thing is that you make patients aware of how their information is shared, let them know that the others within an ACO are going to get it, and they'll probably ask, well, who are these other entities? So you have to give them the ability to opt out if they say, you know what, I don't want my information going to all these others. I want to keep my information only with these few doctors that I I know I'm dealing with. So that's when you have to really think about the details for how you're going to allow the patients to opt out, the forms you're going to use, how you're going to track it in your system. And like you said, um, it It should be a part of an HIE system anyway to allow opt-outs for other activities anyway. So you could be able to make use of those as well.
1: The final ACO rule, opt-out provision, deals only with Medicare claims data and not with other information like full electronic records. Is that right?
0: Right, exactly. This is about the Medicare claims data. So this doesn't apply to all other types of PHI, the Medicare claims data and PHI, they are going to certainly have overlaps, but they aren't the same thing. They aren't the same repository of information. So that's another good point that um, providers need to think about. They can't uh, be viewing both of these sets of data as being one and the same. They are two different sets, but they certainly have significant overlaps.
1: So might the creation of ACOs require participants to enter more business associate agreements to help protect information?
0: Well, there will likely need to be new BA agreements with the ACO entity itself. And I anticipate that the implementation of ACOs will also bring with it new service providers and software vendors who will need access to that claims data for support and maintenance and, and for other types of, you know, back office processes that a, a BA type of organization would be providing. So those will need to have BA agreements because, again, there's overlap between the claims data and the PHI, so certainly you have to observe all the HIPAA requirements while you're implementing the ACOs. Under HIPAA and the required business associate agreements, the ACO and its participants will not be able to use or disclose any PHI it receives through an ACO in any manner that a HIPAA-covered entity would be prohibited from doing. So organizations that are part of an ACO need to look at all the other entities that will be accessing PHI and then put BA agreements in place as appropriate based upon the reasons why the other entities need to have that access. Now, something to think about beyond the BA agreement is that there's a new type of agreement with this final rule that will also need to be made, and it's called a data use agreement, or DUA. Now, some of the analysts that I've heard have said that they believe having a DUA in place may be necessary instead of a BA agreement in some situations. And I'm not completely convinced of this, maybe in some situations, but why? I mean, because under HIPAA and the required business associate agreements, the ACO and its participants will not be able to use or disclose any PHI in a way that a HIPAA-covered entity would be prohibited from doing. And in addition to this, under the DUA, the ACO would be prohibited from sharing the Medicare claims data, which might have some PHI in it, but also the other claims data that's separate from PHI, they need to be prohibited from sharing that with any ACO that's not co-signed, the DUA as a contractor. Those requests by patients to share their PHI or claims data with entities outside the ACO may need a BA agreement depending upon the situation. And ACOs need to comply with the limitations as well on the use and disclosure that, are, that still exist under HIPAA. So they have to look at those. They have to look at the applicable DUA. And then also they need to be aware of the ACO program's legal requirements that restrict sharing of the data.
1: Okay, finally, are there other privacy and security issues that are raised by the formation of ACOs that we haven't covered yet?
0: Well, it's important to keep in mind that the new ACO rules emphasize multiple times that all data sharing has to be in compliance with HIPAA requirements. This said, because of the additional sharing of claims information, along with potentially needing to enter into new business associate agreements with the ACO itself, and also supporting this opt-out mechanism and procedures that need to be created. The ACO participants are going to need to update their HIPAA privacy and security policies to ensure the appropriate safeguards are in place along with all of these changes. So just a few of the important security and privacy issues that need to be addressed will include such things as ensuring the minimum necessary access that's provided to those who are within the ACO. You can't just now give all um, access to all PHI along with the claims data. So you need to be very careful about uh, ensuring minimum access is being enforced. Also accounting of the disclosures for that data that goes to the other folks who are within the ACOs. You need to keep in mind that those have to be accounted for and logged as well. And then also, now that you have these requests from patients to opt out and also to get access to their data, you're going to need to think about uh, implementing security and procedures for identity verification. You want to make sure that the person who is asking you for access to data or asking you to opt-out of sharing with certain other members within the ACO really is the person they claim to be, so that needs to be established as well. Now, this would be actually a great time to perform a risk assessment as the organization is planning to become an ACO, and a risk assessment would identify where all the new types of risk would exist with these new information-sharing capabilities. Since HIPAA requires regular risk assessments anyway, and certainly a major operational change such as this, becoming part of an ACO, is going to bring with it new risks, then doing a risk assessment will provide really more bang for the buck, so to speak, to do one in conjunction with becoming an ACO participant. And it will also help to ensure all security risks, and if you want to do an expanded one, privacy risks as well, are being mitigated before a breach
1: occurs. Well, thanks very much. We've been talking today with security expert Rebecca Harold. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks very much for listening.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.